The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Leslie Picker in from Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineups, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Nadine Terman, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Tonight on Fast, we're counting down to another big week of earnings with names like Salesforce and Peloton and more getting ready to report. How should you be looking at these stocks ahead of those key results? Plus, going global, what the surging dollar means for overseas markets and where you should be putting your money. And be sure to stick around for a special bonus hour of Fast, focusing on the next generation of innovation, disruption and technology that will impact your life. The next is live tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. But we start with late-breaking news out of General Motors. The stock under pressure in the after-hours session, the company expanding its massive recall on the Chevy Bolt. GM now recalling all Chevrolet Bolt electric vehicles due to fire risk. The cost to GM, $1 billion. Shares are lower by more than 3% in thin after-hours Friday trading. Let's trade this late-breaking news. Tim, your take. Well, I'm a shareholder. I'm not happy. I wasn't happy with the 24% move down in GM going into this in 50-some-odd sessions. A lot of this on the back of, of the shortages on semis, uh, the supply disruption dynamics that Ford's announced, GM's announced, other autos have announced. Um, look, this, this recall, uh, it, it's not, you know, from a GM secular move towards EV and autonomous uh, and, and, you know, ultimate battery dynamics and all that technology, uh, the Bolt is not really a flagship part of that. The cost related to this is significant. But for a company that's rooted out uh, costs and become a lot more efficient, especially in loss-leading businesses in Europe uh, and even in the U.S., and had enormous free cash flow generation, it's interesting to me, and I'm frustrated by the fact that the market punishes GM on news like this, and they don't reward them after they gave, I thought, fantastic earnings, record profitability, and the stock now is trading inside eight times earnings. So, you know, look, I, I hate this news in the after hours. I think the stock's overdone. Pete, what's your take? Do you think the stock's overdone? Well, you know, it had an extraordinary run to the upside, and Tim talked about that. I mean, this is a stock that actually was just over $60 not that terribly long ago, and then we've sold off to where we are now. But any time that you get this kind of news, especially on a Friday going into the weekend after the market closes, and then they announce this news, you're going to see a stock get hit pretty hard. That's exactly what we're seeing now, 2.5%, to the downside. I think this will create opportunity because I, I like Tim. I like this name. I, I, I think GM has some great possibility. I didn't want to chase it. And I think for guys like myself who haven't been in there, this might create an opportunity because I, I agree with Tim. This whole situation with the Volt, let's be honest, that is not where GM, that's not the direction that they're going right. in. And because of that, I think this is a one-off. I think that's money that they're going to have to pay. That's not ever fun, but it's an opportunity. 
meeting a billion dollars, certainly material and the market treating it as material. But do you think that uh, there is more opportunity beyond this point uh, or do you think that there could be more bad news to come? Well, Leslie, I think it's a little bit of investor fatigue. You saw earlier in the week, Toyota came out and said they'd be cutting some production by 40% in September. Volkswagen came out, said the same thing. They have to cut production in September. And so you're looking just a lot of supply-related issues. And after a while, and after Tim said, you know, after a big hit for people who have been loyal to these stocks, they get a little fatigued when a news after Friday close comes out like this. And they're just like, I'm done with this. I want to wait till I get some positive news coming back in my favor. Yeah, no brownie points for putting out news like this on a Friday evening. Uh, BK, how does this change kind of the risk-reward dynamic uh, between GM relative to other automakers out there? I actually think with the move that we've had here, it makes the risk-reward better for GM. And I know that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but we've got the bad news out. I agree with everybody else that you're not buying GM because you think the Chevy Bolt is going to be the car of the future. I mean, I don't, if you are, then you probably should, you deserve to lose money in GM. But the point is, this is probably, this has come in, right? We've come down from, what, 65 or so on this at 45, 46, 45 bucks. That seems to be support. So what I watch for on Monday is a reversal. If you open lower and reverses to the higher, that's your classic, you know, bad news, good price action. So I do think the risk reward is better today than it was before this news. Interesting. Sounds like we've got a a consensus to start today's show. Uh, Moving on, let's grab your passports, pack your bag. We're taking a trip around the world. The dollar surging to a nine-month high this week, and China's long route pushing the FXI to its worst week since February. The latest cause for concern, China's housing market, property giant Evergrande dropping to a near four-year low as concerns grow that the company won't be able to repay its debt. So with Chinese markets plunging and questions about what the taper will mean for the U.S., where should you be looking for opportunities? BK, what's your take? Uh, Well, I mean, my take is you probably don't want to look for international opportunities. There's a couple things going on. I mean, number one, (laughs) if we continue to get a stronger dollar, and let's call that over the shorter to medium term, three weeks to three months or something like that, that's not going to be good for emerging markets. That's not going to be good for the globe. The dollar is the new VIX. So the higher the dollar goes, the worse it is for the global economy. So you don't really want to be looking internationally. The other thing is, I'm frankly very surprised that risk assets have not priced in the popping of the housing bubble in China. And I know it's a bit opaque there, but I think that's a very big risk that nobody's taking account of yet. And so actually don't want to be international at all. Do you agree with that, Nadine? Do you think that the markets haven't really priced that in yet? And uh, would you do you agree with BK that you should really kind of be looking inward more domestically or are there opportunities externally? I've got partial agree, partial disagree. I agree with him on the fact that I think that the the news out of China is a really big deal. So we've talked about on the show, uh, we've been short China. Um, We know that there's continuing issues there. GDP continues to decelerate. It's affecting the dollar. I think the dollar has a lot more to do with China's deflation than it does with the Fed's actions. And you see that because um, material prices and other types of things that have 
really come off hard this week especially, and it has to do with China's deceleration, and in, instead of reflation, it's deflation. So until China can actually accelerate its growth, we're not going to see the dollar be able to go down, and you're not going to see EMs pop up, but we are big buyers of Europe, as we've talked about before. We think that that can be separate from the issues in China. P, you also like Europe, right? Yeah, I do. And specifically, I look at the financials, because quite honestly, Leslie, when I'm seeing names like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs and names like that that are trading two times book, which is a lot of the time how we refer to these banks, and I look over and I see Deutsche Bank and Barclays and some of the others that are trading a third of book or half of book, it just makes me start to scratch my head a little bit. And I think that there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Yes, the European <laughs> banks did have a run. But I think they have plenty of room to run even further faster as we get into the second half of the year. First half of the year was not so bad. Second half of the year, I think they can accelerate even more. Tim, are you looking internationally? You like what you see uh, outside the U.S.? <laughs> Well, look, I'm, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool emerging markets guy, and I hate what's been happening in China. EM this week set fresh 11-year lows, 11-year lows relative to the S&P. So it's been a sad story, especially because you had a breakout in February. You actually got back to fresh pre-all-time highs uh, on the index outright. So in emerging ex-China, you want India. Uh, ETF INDA, it's the iShares India funds. Look, India's got the best demographics in EM, arguably. Um, they benefit from what's been going on. Well, look, I, I think we all would agree rates can only go so high uh, in the near future. India benefits from that. There's a major move to EV technology. There's a major green move. There's a major uh, fintech move and a technology move, which in India has inherently been exposed to. The fact that the rupee is something that's actually been holding in against the dollar. Uh, and I actually think that the balance of payment story and the macro there is very, very good. L look at that chart on India. Continues to make fresh highs. Uh, I think it will continue to. It's, it's, it's to me, the, the kind of the bright spot in EM here. And I think, look, a lot of this, we talked about China. Um, this is China doing this to themselves. I'm less concerned about the property market. To me, the move in China and the move in EM is all about the regulators and the heavy hand in China and zero zero cents uh, from investors that they, they believe that the credibility of the Chinese government is, is you know, in their, on their behalf, etc. So um, I hope China's playing the long, long game because the short game has been very, very frustrating. With India and emerging markets broadly, Tim, last time the Fed tapered, we did see kind of a fall off effect in emerging markets. Is India poised to get caught up in that? And also, it's a pretty big trading partner with China as well. Does it feel any effect uh, from, you know, the, the regulation and, and more of the heavy handedness, as you describe it, uh, that's been going on in China right now? Again, I, I'm, I think, look, the global macro, especially that out of Asia, especially out of Southeast Asia, I think is very resilient and, and very, you know, very organic. And I think India's growth has continued to be very consistent. It's not reliant on China. It's a very domestic economy. Um, I do worry about EM trends overall. Look, if it gets if it gets if it gets dicey and gnarly here on the back of the Fed. And, you know, look, if I had to underscore one point this week, I will say this. Uh, I think investors are underestimating uh, the, the concept of tapering. People came out of this, uh, you know, minutes announcement. Remember, these, this July Fed minutes, uh, this July Fed meeting where we got minutes was before we had a massive labor number, before we had this fresh round of producer price 
uh, and input dynamics on inflation. And, and I think that the majority within the Fed that was ready to taper is going to be even more so. And if we look at every time any central bank, but especially the Fed in the last three or four years, has tried to remove any accommodation and even going all the way back to the crisis. Um, look, this is a dangerous time for markets. So, you know, we started this talking about EM. EM will underperform if the U.S. goes through a difficult time. And this week, to me, uh, I think investors have been overly sanguine about the prospects for tapering. Interesting. BK, I want to circle back to you because you started, you said that you were not looking internationally. I'm curious if any of the other traders made a case that uh, has you reconsidering. Well, first of all, I got a Google sanguine just so I know what Tim was talking about. This. So just give me one second. Uh, a little dictionary yeah. lesson today, too. Yeah, exactly. Those are big words on a Friday night. Uh, anyway, actually, I do think Tim makes a very compelling case for India. And, you know, if I, if cho- if I had to choose an investment in, in the EM uh, and in Asia for the next couple of years, it would absolutely be, be India. The point that Tim makes about the transition that's going on there, both digitally and in fintech, uh, to me, is actually really exciting. So if I had to, I'd pick India. All right. And, uh, you know, you got a little dictionary action. You got a little trading suggestion. <laughs> you know, Tim, you're, exactly. you're winning so far today. Bank, <laughs> if, if this right were on. a game, you would be winning. It's about time. <laughs> well, the chart master says the greenback is due for a pullback. Let's bring in Cornerstone Macro's Carter Worth to chart out what it means for emerging markets. Carter. Well, that's right. We've had a big move in the dollar. And of course, we've had a, quite a sell-off in EEM. And I think you'll get a bit of a trade here with the dollar backing down and EEM bouncing. Let's look at a few charts. The first is just the DXY, the dollar index chart. And what you see here is, of course, uh, the 60-session the 60 session move, right? The three-month January-March move and then the one uh, May-August. Both of these stopped. And this one, we reversed hard today and closed on the low where all that congestion is from about a year ago. So to my eye, we have come a long way, uh, an impressive advance, almost 5%, back to a difficult level. And I think the dollar does back away here. What that means for the EEM, we shall see. But my hunch is you play for a bounce. Let's look at three EEM charts. So again, of course, this is the iShares, the MSCI Emerging Market ETF. And the first there is, uh, if you will, the, the sort of... February to present pullback. It's exactly 15%, and it's remarkably orderly. It's been in this channel as annotated there on the screen. Now, the next chart is sort of an up close and personal of that channel. And what you see quite precisely, again, is that EEM has responded to the upper and lower band almost perfectly to the penny, uh, like some sort of pinball machine. So the final chart is this. This drawdown leaves us exactly at the lower band, and that's exactly where we were the last time. So this drawdown is 11.7%. The previous drawdown, remarkably similar in terms of magnitude and duration, 11.6. And my thinking here is you get a bit of a bounce and want to be long EM, just as you get a bit of a sell-off in the DXY. All right. Thank you, Carter. Uh, let's trade this. Going first to Mr. EM, Tim Seymour. You agree with that? Think there's a, a bounce well, in store again, for EEM? 
I, I love the calm nature of Carter's description of the calm nature of the emerging markets move lower, and it makes me feel a lot better. And, and I do think you have a dynamic with the dollar, where as much as we want to believe that, uh, you know, you look at the range in the dollar, and it, it, this is a chart that, that could be breaking out, it also is a chart that is at the upper end of a range. Um, I, I think you've also had a place here where EM currencies and even some of the rates markets have already made a fiscal adjustment, and, and, and while they're always going to be vulnerable to a dollar move. Um, yeah, look, I like this story. And, and this is a week where I think a lot of traders were tempted to pull the plug on EM. I, I know I was on a couple positions, and, and I, I think there is some sense of you have to change for the, for the, for the long run, because some of these reflation trades, um, I absolutely believe, continue. And EM is a major beneficiary of those types of moves, even if higher rates are something that are always a risk. Was it a calm description or was it a sanguine description is the real question. <laughs> uh, Nadine, I wanted to get your thoughts on Carter's comments with regard to the dollar. Uh, do you think that it's still kind of the safe haven that it used to be uh, or are, is the market treating it differently these days? We really think it's just trading because of China deflation. And so if we start to look at that turning around, which we don't expect to happen for several quarters, um, we think that the dollar could continue to strengthen. It's at the top of our trading range, so I think he's right. You could have a little bounce uh, here in terms of it backing off. Um, and so, you know, if you're short the dollar, you could, you could make a little bit of money, or if you want to go long EM. But I think what you could do is take Tim's advice and go long India, maybe short China, or short a broad EM index, because China's usually a large part of those indexes. And so therefore, maybe you'd be able to play the EM trade without having to have a ton of China, which obviously has a lot of other risks other than macro risks, a lot of headline risks. So maybe that's the way you play it. Interesting. Nice suggested pair trade there. Uh, we have a news alert on Pfizer. Kate Rogers has that story for us. Hey, Kate. Hey, Leslie, the New York Times is reporting now that the FDA is aiming to give full approval to Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine on Monday. Uh, the paper reporting that this is further expediting a earlier timeline for licensing that shot. They're uh, sourcing people familiar with the agency's planning here. Uh, we are going to reach out to the FDA and we'll bring you any updates as we get them. Now, regulators, the paper says we're working to finish the process by Friday, still working through substantial amount of paperwork here and negotiations with the company. Uh, the agency also had recently set an unofficial deadline, the Times reports, for approval of that around Labor Day. Of course, if this is expedited, you could see more vaccine mandates coming down the line once this is given full regulatory approval. Back over to you. Yeah, and that could be why we're seeing a decent jump in the aftermarket, up more than 1% right now. Kate, thank you. Uh, BK, does this move the needle at all? Uh, I mean, it's moving the needle in the after hours. I'd be very wary of these after hours moves. I mean, just like we talked about with GM, right? You're talking about a thin uh, aftermarket trading. Uh, so I wouldn't be rushing in this evening to buy Pfizer on this news. All right. Coming up, earnings season may be winding down, but there are still a handful of big names yet to report this quarter. We'll break down what they have to say with a good old game of trade it or fade it. We're back right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season rolls on next week with names like Salesforce, Peloton, Best Buy, and more all on the docket. But how should you be playing these names ahead of their reports? Let's find out your favorite Friday night game and mine. Trade it or fade it. We'll kick things off with Gap reporting results after the bell on Thursday. A nice 3% boost today leading up to next week. Tim, trade it or fade it? Yeah, look, I'm going to fade this one. I, I think it's been a tremendous turnaround at the Gap stores. Uh, Old Navy, certainly the, the kind of the flagship uh, and, and the foundation of some of this growth, but a management turnaround, certainly uh, loyalty and digital trends and DTC trends that are great. I don't love the valuation. I think it's been a big move. I think they're all kind of caught up in this restructuring story. I'm going to fade it. Thank you. Fall into the gap. <laughs> Pete, you agree? No, I'm going to trade it. As a matter of fact, I bought calls just today. But I will tell you this. It had a 30-plus percent move in the first half of the year. Second half of the year, I think we see even more. It's been as high as 36. When you look at fundamentally, it's still only trading 16 times. There is a short interest there that could push it up. We saw what happened with Macy's earlier in the week. So I think there's a lot of reasons to like this. Athleta, Tim, Athleta is where it's at. It's Old Navy, Athleta, pricing, everything. The digital is really working for them. I think this is a company that has a big future with their celebrities as well. All right. Next up, Dell, also out on Thursday afternoon. Busy day. Nadine, trade it or fade it? I would trade it. So if you own it, I think you can own it into the print. I tried to get a new laptop. Even my brother, who's senior at a place who sells these things, couldn't even get me a new laptop. So demand is strong. Two, they've been delovering. And then three, they've had really, really great client solutions from the first quarter. Uh, we have no reason to believe it shouldn't be extending in the second and third quarter. So I think those are positives. Everybody knows about the supply issues going on here. So I think there's a lot of negative news baked in. So I think you can trade it 95 to 100, uh, but I can own it into the print. Mm. BK, trade it or fade it. Yeah, so my call on this is less about the fundamentals and more about just the kind of the technical setup ahead of earnings here. And so you've had this trading basically in a channel. And so to me, what is the risk reward to go out there and be aggressive ahead of earnings? Because if it breaks out of this channel and starts to break higher, you've got a lot of room to run. So I would fade it here, meaning I would wait to see what earnings have to say. And if you get a breakout, fine, you missed a couple points, but you're not going to get killed on on the way down. Mm. Well, speaking of laptops, moving on to Best Buy, out with results Monday before the open. Pete, trade it, fade it. Where you at? I got to trade it. And the reason I say that is I love the fundamental story here. Yes, the stock has doubled since you go back to March of 2020. 
But this is a company that just continues to grow. And you look at the comparable sales, they are very strong. Every one of their category has strength in sales and a lot of that home features as well. I still think this is a stock that has plenty of room to the upside. All right. Well, we'll see Monday morning. Thank you, guys. Up next, your final trades. Miss a moment of fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Follow the Fast Money Podcast. It's already time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim. Leslie, thank you for joining us today. Let's go back to India. INDA, iShares India Fund, EPS revisions in India going higher. We talked about the macro. Uh, We talked about the tech movement there. I love the story. Nadine. I'm going to go with a company called Adyen. The U.S. ticker is A-D-Y-E-Y. It's a European payments business. And as we know, post-pandemic, payments have become more strategic and cashless. And this one's a winner. Pete. How about a chip stock that's actually performed better than NVIDIA over the last year or so? Marvell. I think this thing's got a lot more room to the upside. Giddy up. And last but not least, BK. <laughs> uh, well, for me, it's CyberArk. I mean, it just, it, cyber's big, right? And this is one that I am sanguine about. <laughs> Giddy up. Nice. We are not sanguine. We are sanguine. Anyway, that does it for Fast Money. But we've got a special bonus hour coming up at 6. Option, options action is next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.